Welcome back to the World of Commerce podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Hollerbach. I'm still here in Las Vegas at ShopTalk Conference. And in this episode, I spoke to Ping Yao and Burke White, the founders of Brand3P. We spoke about how brands can be successful on marketplaces, what to do and what not to do. We spoke about the concept of walking the digital aisle and also explored how social media can influence marketplace sales. So please enjoy this episode with Ping and Burke. Let's go. You know, create a marketplace. You got to know your differentiation. Like, you know, Burke and I would always have these conversations like, why do you exist? And how are you different from Amazon? So the brands are successful. If, if you make all the parties successful in a marketplace, everyone wins. The consumer wins. Brands are doing good business. And of course, the marketplace is capturing. Uh... So Ping, if you like to start, basically, what, what's an item you recently purchased that you that you love? Yeah, I actually, I, I purchased a pair of shoes when I took up a walk for, from my house to the local downtown. And I found a brand. I was like, oh, I'm really interested. I like this brand. I wonder what other products they may have. So I bought that in the local store and then I went back and then I did a search on, you know, Google and I did a search on Amazon, but then I ended up at Zappos. And so I bought two more pairs of shoes. This is all within one day. And uh, these shoes I'm wearing right now, they're comfortable. I was looking for, because I'm pretty familiar with the shoe brands out there, but then, you know, comfort is important. Style is important. So I, I was able to kind of experience from store to Amazon Zappos, and then they shipped it two days in the house, and I'm wearing it right now. Sounds good. Berg, how about you? Uh, strange product. Um, oh, now, now I'm curious. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, it's pretty cool. There's some tech involved in it, too. But I, it wasn't for me. It was for my wife. And we spent a lot of time uh, on the side of the soccer pitches. Uh, daughter, younger daughter plays soccer. And it's chilly. Oftentimes, it's incredibly cold. And my wife gets cold easily. And she was normally wearing lots of layers. Um and she was still cold. So what I found was a battery-operated warming vest. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and it was new to me. Sounded pretty cool. Did a little research online. Uh, found a brand, a direct-to-consumer brand store, and and looked at it. And the size I needed was actually out of stock on the DC. Went to Amazon. Found the same product for the same price. And it was in stock, and it was prime. So super simple purchase and keeps my wife warm. All good. So awesome. I could have used the the uh, like inverted product last week. I was skiing in Austria and it was so hot there. I was sweating all day basically and I could have used like a battery powered cooler or something like that. We'll have to look into that more so. Got some ideas for you. But Amazon is the power, right? I mean, how often it happens that I'm uh, at a retail store and I find a product I love and the uh, sizes are not available and you, you find yourself in the store ordering on Amazon basically, right? And having it delivered the next day. So it happens. Yeah. And you know, and you know that the price is going to be reasonable, you know, you're going to get it and it's a, uh, the brand may be new to you, but the platform is not. And so I think that really helps, um, kind of get us products when we're looking for them easier. Yeah. More comfortably. So I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, Ping, you, you and I, we've, we've met a couple of years ago in Palo Alto, right? And uh... You're one of the first people I contacted when I left Walmart Marketplace. Oh, what, what's going on in the big rest of the world? And yeah, I had a chance to meet you that. Yourself. Feel free to take a microphone. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so Ping Hao, um, well, let's see. So I've been in e-commerce for a number of years. 
don't want to date myself, but I would say uh, what was more on the tech side, like what is e-commerce performance? What's high-res internet imaging? I work with Hewlett Packard on that, getting that to market. And then, you know, really wanted to explore the, the B2C side. So um, joined Walmart uh, to build out the marketplace in 2015. It was a program and scaled that to uh, built the business platform that is in place today across all 27 retail categories, ran uh, acquisition or business development. Acquisition is not necessarily a nice term. So let's talk about business development and partners. Uh, onboarding, um, you know, we created partner success, Burke and I together. Um, he was instrumental in the strategy of our, of our program and all analytics. And the, the interesting thing was, you know, it's like, hey, Walmart, the bigger Walmart, are you ready to take the analytics back? Dot com. And they're like, you can keep it still. And, you know, that just kept going on for a couple of years. So, you know, when you, you know, create a marketplace, you got to know your differentiation. Like, you know, Burke and I would always have these conversations like, why do you exist? And how are you different from Amazon? That's and a brilliant so, question. As there are so many marketplaces popping up left and right everywhere at the moment. Huh? And it's not an easy answer, you know, and until you nail your prop, value prop, which we did, because um, it was it was lacking. I think that's when things started to come together. You say? Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, so Burke White, um, let's see, prior to joining Ping and building out Walmart Marketplace, uh, old enough to be involved in retail before e-commerce. So definitely had a great tour, uh, outdoor retail, um, outdoor products, and, and understanding how there was distribution protection, how partners mattered, how... Uh, retail pretty much was a thing at the time, like MSRP, it was what you paid as a consumer. And that was done uh, primarily because of limited distribution and, and premium product. So with that in mind, what I've seen over time, uh, technology, especially e-commerce, kind of erode margins, erode relationships, uh, erode regional distribution, all of those key components to, to retail. So it was really fun when we um, joined Ping on her team, building out this wonderful marketplace as consumers, we all benefit. But how do you put the pieces of the puzzle back together from a brand perspective? So the brands are successful. If, if you make all the parties successful in a marketplace, everyone wins. A consumer wins. Brands are doing good business. And of course, the marketplace is capturing uh, business as well. So that, that's, that's the fun part. And, and then after Walmart, that's why we are Brand 3P. We really work with brands on marketplaces, reassembling their catalogs for them, reassembling their partnerships if available, and reconnecting them to the consumer on the marketplace. So, it, And it, it's ironic, really, when you think about it, because most brands run away from marketplaces because they're chaotic, they're dynamic, and it, it pulls them apart. Um, having built a marketplace, a big one, we understand the complexity and the layers and truly the opportunity. Um, so it is ironic that we would then we would present the best place to re to really put a brand together and connect it with a customer base is actually back on the marketplaces that you you've grown. <laughs> yeah, it's a love hate relationship, I guess. Though. So good job for building uh, Walmart Marketplace. Yeah, I think they're when... they're doing quite well. They're growing. They're part of the the one of the three growth trajectories for Walmart to come. Or is the marketplace? Is Walmart uh, the retail media strategy? Walmart Connect. And then it's the Walmart fulfillment service. So they've kind of brought their brought the trajectory together. So they've matured a lot, I would say. Um, and so, you know, again, if you look at the balance of what happens on a marketplace, you've got the consumer, you know, visiting, shopping. You know, what is the, the latest number we heard this morning? It was like, what, 
Oh, global, um, you know, global retail, 55% on marketplaces, right? So e-commerce retail, right? Consumer, 55% on marketplaces. And from our vision, our view, because we are, you know, brands on marketplaces, that's easy. We're like, oh yeah, no, no problem. And that's just going to continue to grow. So then you, you, you know, with all this kind of experience and working with global brand portfolios and at Walmart working in, you know, categories from CPG to fashion to toys, every, every category has got its dynamics. You know, what brings it all together for us is the customer and it's the consumer. Like it's an incredible amount of uh, reach you have. We, like where else in this world can you go? Oh, you know, I know exactly. I know that 2 million people visited, you know, this experience. Uh, and we were talking about kind of, we'll get there, but we're talking about kind of where we see the brand building its position in the marketplace. How, do, how does it continue to elevate? How do you stand on the shoulders of these giants? Um, it's, it's, it's really remarkable. We, I think we, when we left this marketplace, uh, organization, uh, we didn't have any idea like all the things that one could do um, while not being in that company, but really working at it from the brand side. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. Um, it it simplifies things when you're inside the building, um, and specifically Walmart. Everything's at scale. Your 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 seller partners are at scale. Their assortment is at scale. And in order to um, to manage scale, for the most part, everything is the same. Accounts, products, off we go. Um, and, and it works in the big picture, right? More assortment does create more revenue. Um, but really being outside the building, what we found it was exceptional is once you, once you engage with a brand, and this is why we, we talk about brands, you can put a brand in a box, you can define it. it. Are these your products? Yes or no. Are these officially licensed? Are these real? Are these fake? And, and you can find the real products that are either there today or will be tomorrow. And you can do something with them. You can upgrade the content. You can reassemble them in some cases in a, in a brand store. And you can layer up consumer experiences in the brand store. So not only are you increasing sales, you're collecting consumer data. So the brand is the definition. And what we found by being, like being said, outside the building, we could be more effective. We could actually do better for the partners being outside the, because we have the luxury of focus. We could treat the brand uniquely and we can help them succeed on the platform. And everyone wins, like Ping said. The consumer wins, our brand client wins, and of course, the platform wins as well. Um, the one thing we're seeing as we work with, there are a lot of new, there's a lot of newness in the market, especially when the economy is down a little bit. People are always trying to figure out what different types of product launches make sense where. So you know, kind of saying like, does it, does it, do we launch on TV, right? Do we launch, um, you know, OTT? Do we launch? on youtube do we you know where do we launch a TikTok? do we launch a facebook all these different places woman like economy slowing down are they trying to figure out additional channels is that the motivation i think that's i think that's definitely part of it yeah i i, I can't imagine you know save a few luxury brands um most brands are are trying to scrape together more sales plain and simple so what they're looking at um the marketplaces are typically just a sales channel, an additional sales channel, and that's fantastic. It works, and more sales channels can produce more revenue. And um, we again kind of focus on the major three marketplaces with our brands, and 
when we find we can, you know, first they have to have a presence there. So being on the marketplace is step one. And, and we, you know, right, we can't help you if you're not there. Um, so having partners that facilitate efficient uh, product population and content so that you're there is incredibly important because we come in after that and assemble everything correctly, right? Give it an upgrade, go from junior varsity to varsity, and then hopefully present, um, if, if possible, that brand experience. Uh, we look at a brand store as just more canvas to paint on, right? And um, using a silly example, the, the general marketplace, which is so dense with product, is, is uh, most brands are relying on retail media to elevate their product and get it in front of consumers. And as long as the math works it, that's great. Can you quickly explain retail media for the listeners? Because that's probably not everybody's familiar with the concept. Yes, thank you for slowing us down and being responsible for new terminology. Um, we get so accustomed to it. Uh, retail media on, on the major platforms, and let's just stick with um, Amazon. In the beginning, when Amazon, say, had fewer products on it, you could list products and organic search would result the, the options. If there were only three pink t-shirts at one point on Amazon, that was probably true. When you search for pink t-shirts, you saw probably all of them or most of them. Fast forward to today, there are millions of pink t-shirts there. And if you happen to sell them in this bad example, you will have to uh, spend on what is called retail media. That is the platform charging you as a seller or a brand owner to list your product higher in that search. And of course, your spend is competing against other pink t-shirt sellers as well. And so it's market pricing. And at some point you might tap out and say, I can't be profitable at this. And, and it's an ebb and flow, but that is the example of retail media. And, um, it's, it's part of best practices at the moment. And again, as long as the numbers work for you, absolutely do it. What, what do you see? You work with all these marketplaces and, uh, you know, given your extensive, you know, U.S. and the international perspective, are you seeing the role of, of retail media rise in, in your yeah, ab base? Absolutely. I mean, um, I think that's a trend going on for like four or five years now. I think, first of all, it's an amazing business model for, for every marketplace because it adds a lot of margin basically like profits right and uh, you leverage your traffic that you have the consumer base and so on um but looking at europe i think in in the us like amazon pioneered it kind of like walmart is doing it a couple of others are also playing around with it in europe you see companies like zalando which is like the european equivalent of zappos or the auto group they also have their own retail media now so it's becoming a best practice And, and I think the downside probably for the brand in the end is it eats a little bit of their margin again, right? So they you, you leverage the reach of the marketplace, but it comes now with a little catch that there wasn't there before. Right. And, and you know, one of the things that we, we get excited about is uh, if, you, if, you, if you believe that the marketplace is where you can learn about consumer behavior, shopping behavior, what they like to buy, how they like to buy, what questions they ask when they're trying to make a purchase decision, whether they're a fan, whether they're new to category, new to brand, new to product type, uh, you know, if it, marketplaces can actually be a guide and kind of a voice for you, they are certainly a place where consumers are, so that they've got the traffic, right? And then the fun part begins, you know, what do you do with all that? And so we, um, You know, we hope the industry uh, continues to view retail media as part of the solution. We absolutely don't believe that it is the entire solution. You know, it's the product at the end of the day, right? It's the 
the product's value, it's the price point, it's the ability to be able to get it that matters, right? So, um, you know, so there are other aspects of it, and that's where we get excited about, right? right? Like other aspects, like, uh, you know, in terms of content, you know, organic relevance. Um, so that starts to begin... That's the beginning of where we start, actually. Yeah, yeah. and I think you're spot on with it. I think deliver uh, like discoverability um, on on any kind of marketplace, even on Netflix these days, right, is a big thing. I mean, I can't remember how many hours I spent with my wife on the sofa just trying to figure out what we want to watch, right? And it's the same a little bit on marketplaces, um, trying to figure out, okay, what product to buy and even finding the right one. And I think you've come up with a brilliant uh, concept here. Uh, I think you call it walking down the digital aisle. I probably can explain a little bit more. Yeah, for that is. Yeah, sure. Um, so having been in retail long before e-commerce, in in order to see what's what is the truth in a store, in a physical store, you would walk the aisles. Whether you're the manager, the owner, um, and what's curious about that simple concept of walking the aisles, we 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 can see what's going on. Everyone has the same view. If you're a customer walking that aisle, the owner, the manager, you're looking left and right. Everyone's seeing the truth, whether that's good news or bad news, whether we're properly merchandised and fronted and faced, whether we're missing inventory, it's the truth. And with that awareness, you can actually do things, restock, you know, reset, whatever it might be. So using that concept, um, we go on to major marketplaces. And again, this is the luxury of working with a brand client. We don't have to walk all of the aisles of of Amazon and aisles in our, in our lingo, uh, our consumer experiences. They could be searches, they could be obscure searches, they could be, um, uh, you know, yeah, merchandised internally on Walmart's, you know, uh, scale. It, it's, there, there are different experiences and, and only the experiences that matter to our brand client are relevant to our walk. But when we walk, we collect information. We get to see, are our brand clients products there? Yes or no. Um, competitors the competitors products there and then you start to ask questions like why are they there how did they get there and from this information we can assist our brand clients in putting their products in front of consumers many view a marketplace as a a an ecosystem of products that is true you can also view it though as an ecosystem of customers yeah right and if you if you view it in that matter it's wonderful there's you know, hundreds of millions of us banging around on these marketplaces, but only a select few matter to brand client. And once you understand what matters to the brand client, then you start to ask questions of where do those consumers go on the marketplace? So when we optimize content, we're not optimizing necessarily just for, you know, general keywords and so on, the general marketplace, we're optimizing in a way to get the products in front of the consumers where they go on the marketplace. So it starts with walking the digital aisles, and then it maps to eventually getting the product in front of the customer. Yeah. Uh, and how you get there. So we, we started thinking, okay, are there, you know, five different types? I mean, how many types of digital aisles are there? There's actually an unlimited number of digital aisles. And and when you think about it, just in a simple example, if you think about the marketplace, not just as a sales platform or a marketing platform, but as a listening platform. So, so Amazon's actually, and Walmart and others are asking you questions. They're seeing what you're clicking on and then they're serving up certain experiences for you to select and so depending on what you as a customer where a consumer where you came in you will literally land in a different spot and where you expected to be you may not be and so it's kind of it's kind of fun kind of if you follow the consumer 
you'll bump into walls, you'll start to see, hey, I should be able to get there to the other side. And uh, like, for example, we could use the tents model as an example, right? Like if you search camping tent, one of the questions is how many people fit into the camping tent? How many people? But if you're, if you didn't attribute it correctly, you will not be there. And, and so these are, and these questions that, that come up, these are customer questions. Platforms are not going to ask you that customer question, that they're not going to take their expensive real estate and, uh, and give you that interaction if they weren't listening and then presenting. So there's a, there's a subtlety to it. Um, one of our more, one of our more advanced clients, what they like to do is look at the marketplace and see questions marketplaces are asking, and then they use that for their DTC strategy. And that's particularly interesting. So it, it's, 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 a, there's a difference between a shelf and an aisle. And, you know, I don't know, do, do you, I think we explained that to, to some extent, how you get there versus, no, it makes you know, a lot just of, one It makes static. a lot of sense. And, and I believe these aisles, if you look into uh, social, right, they're getting even more diverse and uh, exponentially growing because you have so many different audiences on there that you can address, right? And do you um, do you see already like cross effects between um, social media, TikTok, Instagram, and marketplace sales? Is there something you can you can you can do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. So going back to marketplace for just a second, um, the when we're reassembling a, a brand and and putting product together, oftentimes we'll we'll work with them on the in the brand store. Right, we'll spend some time in the brand store. And again, this is an and it's it's not replacing anything. You can still um, spearfish, you know, search and purchase a product on the marketplace. It works great. Activate retail media, but with a proper brand store that really celebrates the brand and aids the consumer, you know, makes shopping and gift giving easier and collects customer data. Um, you have another place to either point retail media. If you wish to, you can point it at the store homepage or even deeper. Um, you then have the opportunity within social media to have a broader destination. You can, I mean, Social media is so broad. It could be just emails going out. It, it could be Facebook, it could be anything like that. It's outside the building, of course, TikTok. And it could be as simple as just a hyperlink to a product page on, on Amazon. And that's nothing new that's being done. But with, with a brand store, you have so, more, so much more depth to your message, right? You can go to the homepage or you can go to a, you know, a thematic page with more information, all sent in from, um, from social media. So, so that is definitely one of the visitor channels to, to activate on a platform like Amazon, right? I, th so I you think have you see that quite a lot with like influencers these days. They have these link tree uh, links in their profiles, right? And then they have their Amazon shop link, but they have their homepage linked as well, where they have probably their own branded product and stuff yes. like that. Right. So then it comes down to kind of an assortment strategy. And depending on which social platform we're talking about, it could be perfect for just a singular item. Let me just sell you this one item today. It could be a new item, fantastic. Um, and that, that could be handled possibly on platform by some of these newer, these newer, um, uh, opportunities within e-commerce because it's kind of tough to sell everything at once in a, in a very short bite in, in social media. Um, but again, it's, it's knowing what's the goal of, of the activation from social media. Is it a higher level brand message? Maybe we're going to the brand store. Is it a new product that's kind of singular and fun? Is it is it a limited edition drop or something that's going to sell out? You know, those might be better 
upstream in social media. So you get, you get those early adopters saying, I'm buying it as quickly as possible before they sell out. Fantastic. So it's really understanding what is the goal of, of that interaction with it, with the viewer base of that platform and what is the best product to be presenting. And I think the answer is it depends. It depends if, you know, right. As always who you are as a brand, who you are as, as, you know, um, an influencer and what's, what's benefiting you. I think it's going to be more and more important, you know, as the game changes from content. We all know that content has to be, you know, there for the product and being sure it's it's on brand and there, that any opportunity you get to promote your brand, you do that. But again, if you focus on the consumer, I still think it's early days, right? Like, where are they coming from? What are they trying to do? You you know, where, you know, is it a, is it a, is it a, a hot, it is a valuable uh, purchase for the limited product, or are you wanting to increase the shopping basket, right? Are you introducing a new category? Are you, uh, you know, what, what is the extent of the message? So, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of innovation in that area of, you know, how do you engage that 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 formula? A couple of years ago, one of our clients, we looked, they they're in the toy category space, uh, consumer entertainment side. They have a billion fans worldwide. And we looked at every single path for the consumer that gets them to, you know, one of the big three retailers. And for Amazon, we looked at every single YouTube video they had. And we we're like, are these connected? Um, and having that conversation <laughs> without. And like, Okay, if they wanted to, you know, engage with the brand, and that was YouTube. Now it's like, you know, more. It's TikTok. So we were talking a little bit earlier on the way over here, right? We have some colleagues now. Uh, we had some colleagues at Facebook, Facebook Shops, Facebook Marketplace. I think it works well for different categories at different levels. And then, you know, Instagram certainly has a lot of traction in, in commerce and more to come. But, uh, you know, with TikTok in the U.S. and um, the conversations, TikTok shops is one of our clients is going to the first toy brand on TikTok shops. And they're very, very proud of that. Um, and then but it's integrated with the overall marketplace strategy like that. That might be a place to introduce and launch the brand and get kind of the creators and influencers involved. And then they also have their, you know, their other strategy where it's it's part of a it's part of the marketplace. We actually have Every single time we build an experience a marketplace in any country, there's a social media component to it. Like, what are you going to bring in? You know, like the consumer is here. How how does that all come together? So, you know, if you think of it more, you know, kind of like unified or uh, approach the consumer, like what, you know, what do they get excited about? What makes your brand special and unique? And how do you tell that story? And then the fun part becomes, you know, how do you do that? you know, use, you know, from a customer data perspective, right? And that's kind of where we're at. We're at like, like looking at like conversion, you know, visits in, visits out, like under not just the product, sponsored product or PDP anymore, but at the brand level through these, what we call them, these celebration stores, brand celebration stores. And it's, it's, it's just kind of funny. You start at Walmart and, you know, but we felt really excited that, you know, our, our, vision and belief work when you, you know, when you're, the industry says you, you do have the best e-commerce experience and it's across Amazon, Walmart and Target and it's brand consistent. And you know what? You didn't have to ask permission to do all that, but you know, it was partnership with the, with the, 
marketplaces, partnership with the brand, it's bringing brand and sales together around the consumer. So it's 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 actually quite doable. Would my you say? my feeling is that a lot of brands are still hesitant to go on marketplaces, at least from some of the conversations I'm having. From your experience, how as a brand do I really fuck it up when I go on a marketplace? So what not to do? <laughs> um, great question. It probably going on. I'll give my answer. Give give yours. Yeah. Um, probably going on to a marketplace without a marketplace strategy, right? Just basically participation. Someone, you know, gets a finger pointed in their face, you know, Burke, go start setting our products up on marketplace. And so it becomes very operational, very tactical, but no strategy behind it. And with this belief that just by listing products that, you know, new sales, um, maybe in the early days of a marketplace, that was true where you were putting net new items on and there was enough space and, and, and organic relevance. Nowadays, that's simply not the case. You really have to have a plan going forward as to, you know, and, and, and the other part is sometimes it's just binary in the sense, like if we're going on marketplace, we're going to put everything on marketplace. Right. And you really have to look at it strategically, but also with an assortment strategy possibly. And this is the beauty of a marketplace. When you really think about it, it's where all the retail pipes meet. So you have first party, in some cases, you can sell to the platform directly wholesale. In other cases, maybe you drop ship. It's still kind of a wholesale model, but a little bit different. And then of course there's third party, which is really the, you know, the definition of a marketplace, all of that coming together. And there are different forms of third party. You can be the seller, you can have a retailer. But the cool part is if you look at that assortment strategy and which partners are going to be backing that with inventory and, and logistics, then you can start to say, aha, now we have a chance of being profitable. We have an assortment that we're, that we're ready to send out there. And then you can go list with confidence. And again, retail media strategies is very helpful too. Yeah, that, oh wait, putting this out there will do nothing, right? You will probably realize, okay, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time listing my products here, but nobody's buying. Why is that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not good enough anymore. Yeah. So, like, what what we really see is uh, when a when a brand, like, you know, you got to language is important, culture is important. Like, people use different words to describe the detail. You know, retail is detail. Absolutely, there are uh, big companies that you know, the consumer language changes, right? Vernacular changes. It changes worldwide. It's very different. You got to be on top of what the language the consumers are using to 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 try to find what they're looking for. And so um, what you want to do is make sure you understand the language. If you don't understand the language and you list it, and it's the detail of the color, spelling the color gray, is it G-R-E-Y or is it G-R-A-Y? I mean, it is down <laughs> and you're not going to be relevant if you spell it the wrong way. And uh, it, it's it's really fascinating. So um, the other the other thing that I was going to add to what Burke said was we had one of our earlier clients says, okay, I'm going to just bring all the products that I don't care about anymore. I'm going to bring my you know my dog products or whatever. Nothing against okay. I'm going to bring my products that aren't doing so well, and that is not a good strategy. Do not do that because you're building your brand in front of. Hundreds of millions of consumers exactly. and saying they, they that see your ratings all, suck. Yeah, okay? They see all the crap, basically. Exactly, <laughs> right? You, you amplify the crap. Exactly. 
Exactly. So think about marketplace as an amplifier. That's a that's a good way to think about it, you know? Um and and consumers are looking for care. They're looking for consistency. They're looking for the responsibility of a brand. I'm going to pay you more, you know, or I'm going to choose to buy your product because it's branded and I'm building that recognition. But you have to deliver. You know, you cannot be sloppy. And that would be not to do not bring your products that are not selling. Pick a few of them that you want to build your brand about. Right. Right. From assortment strategy, like these are the products I want people to know that we have. And I don't want them to know that we have a little bit more. And then tell them your story as you use those product pages as as what Burke always calls a brand landing pages to drive the welcome mats to drive them to your retail destination, your brand destination. One last question I have for you is I understand when you when you're a brand and you're launching on a marketplace there's probably two ways how you could do that right you could either become a seller yourself start on a fresh blank piece of paper or you get your inventory into existing sellers that probably already have quite some volume what would you advise and and what and why yeah uh that is probably the Biggest and toughest question to answer, um, if you are using, if you're activating in the third-party channel on a marketplace, you do have that choice to do it yourself. And although it it feels good maybe to do it yourself, you have control, you think you do, one thing you, you need to make sure is your logistics are ready, that, that you have the ability. And oftentimes for larger brands, they have built a business on pallets, large shipments to the retail partners. And although at first glance, there's more margin, clearly, if you are going from, you know, your, your, your cost to retail, you have more margin, you're losing some of that in the, in the, you know, lack of efficiencies in the, in the pickback and ship model. So for that reason, definitely take a look at that. If you have the ability to, you might consider going direct as a seller yourself. Um, if you don't, or you're not ready for that yet, um, then relying on another partner, which is really what retail is all about, um, is, is the next best thing. And there are different profiles of that other partner option, but uh, another common mistake is possibly if you're a, a wholesale or kind of a vendor style brand, you're going to rely on one of your larger retailers who, who by volume you're looking at, but they might not be the best partner on the platform. They're not at that level yet. They haven't practiced enough. So making making a good choice of an active partner on, on the platform who's ready, who has all the pieces of the puzzle together, that's that's those are some of the decisions that you probably have to make at some point. So questions to ask, yeah. Have you I'm curious, have you have you seen a scenario where a brand launched with a existing seller partner, let's say on Amazon, and at a later point of time probably evaluated acquiring that seller? To basically owning that uh, that piece of property, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of aggregation that happens out there, and it's it's happening from different sides. But to your specific question, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's a very logical acquisition where you could you could have you know it's a mechanism at that point, and you're getting a retailer with special skills. Um, and if, you know, that, that's another, that's because another those sellers are probably sometimes not even that big of an organization right there, just super specialized on, on, on the, on the niche day. Absolutely. I would just say with a caveat, uh, and there are some examples in the industry, uh, you know, on the like, CPG side, some of the larger sellers, uh, 
the the sellers have a different model business model than the potential acquirer that could be a larger company so um just don't blow blow up and you know swoosh the the seller while you're trying to do that their model is fundamentally different and so i think if you understand what that value is because uh, I think what they did was they got a few brands up and they were able to um, uh, move them through that channel because they are, had Amazon expertise. This is the number one seller on Amazon for many, many years. Uh, and then, you know, you kind of have a different model. CPG model is a different model. You you know, they don't really kind of mesh. And so you, you just have to have, you know, joint successes and metrics and then you can make it work. But it's been tried. And there's some massive failures, and I would say, and some, you know, opportunity. So I think, really, marketplace. Uh, this was mentioned earlier. It's a place to, you know, not just, uh, you know, it, it's a test and learn, right? Right. You're you have a retail laboratory. You're learning what the consumers are saying. That's a that's a word that we coined, retail library. You want to mention what that is a little bit more? Uh, sure. I mean, if you look at a marketplace of Again, not just a sales channel and not just a marketplace of products. You look at a marketplace of customers. Um, then what would you like to learn from them? I mean, certainly you want to sell products. It's great, but can you learn from them? And um, that's not necessarily promoted in any of the, you know, best practices on, on marketplaces. So it's kind of repurposing. It's asking questions, well, can we do this? And and the answer is yes, right? If you set up your model, especially in a brand store, um, it should be doing two things. Uh, first and foremost, in most cases with clients, selling more, right? Excellent. We all got that one. Um, and there's ways to do that. But it would be great if you could set your model to become kind of that retail laboratory where you can test and iterate and get consumer information back, you know, beyond just the basics of seasonality and categories and stuff. But really, what what is your consumer react to? And what's great about that is um, you learn quickly. There's lots of other uses, just, you know, you can multi-merchandise and move products around. But if you are truly into product development, you can test and model new products. You can make sure that I run into a new item that you are trying to, to test in, in the maze of marketplace. That's hard to do. But in the, in the store experience, you can show me something that's really new and, and judge my reaction, right? So that's, there are other uses beyond just let's sell. But the reason you don't see this often is for most of the brand's marketplace sales are not the core business. They're so busy doing their core business, right? Um, and so it's tough. You can't neglect it. You know it exists. The consumer's there. Your comp competition's there. So what we do is is we validate, meaning that you know you have to be on a marketplace. You know you're putting uh, um, effort into your marketplace. We really just squeeze as much value out of that as possible for you. So you're seeing more sales. And and, and and then the cool part is the digital infrastructure that exists on some marketplaces, specifically Amazon. If you test and model correctly in one country, you can very efficiently roll out to other countries and use that same strategy for increased revenue, of course, but also consumer data from other markets so that you can bring that back together. Most of that data is siloed, so it's hard to get at, but if you roll it up correctly, then you can you can really run a, a substantial business from a laptop um, on a marketplace. The final uh, thought I would add to that though, is for our brands, the, the mindset has to change as well. The mindset going from, for most plan, brands from a, you know, a vendor, a supplier, a wholesaler, um, 
In the traditional model, you're relying on your retailer to finish the sentence, to front the product, to connect to the consumer. Well, imagine hundreds of millions of products. It's hard to do the traditional model. So you're, so you become the retailer. So, you know, welcome to retail when you're on a marketplace and you really have to engage that mindset and, and you know, it's good news, bad news, bad news first, welcome to retail, even though you're a practice wholesaler. Um, good news is once you, once you engage in that, you can truly address the consumer better with more content, more story, um, and learn from them. If you set up the model correctly, suddenly you're getting customer information back and you're like, wow, this is, this is valuable to our business. And as many of the profiles in, in retail are hybridizing, that's a word you, you can then have, um, you know, these wholesale companies learning retail extremely rapidly on a marketplace. And it's a huge value to them. Um, just an interesting stat. Well, we walked the aisles for many different categories. The, 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 on average, it's like 45 to 50 different brands in the top 100 organic spots, up to 70. Uh, in home, there's some 70, you know, numbers. So, you know, that's what you got to figure out. And most of the times when we show that to our clients, they're like, I can't recognize the names of any of these companies. And, they're that hybrid. They're the mix of the manufacturer coming over, selling direct from, you know, another part of the world. Um, and your tradition, you know, traditional, you know, the known competitors. And so it really is so competitive. And so that's where, you know, having the edge and understanding what the consumer is trying to do is critical. And so we spent a lot of time building consumer layers of, for our clients. I'll give you an example. One, they're, they're in a category like, well, you don't shop by age. Like it's like that part of the segment. This is this is uh, let's say I, I, again, let's just use a toy category. Uh, we don't necessarily do sh you know shop by age because we cover from age, you know, three to twelve. Okay, we don't do that. But then when we introduce that in the experience, you're like, oh, and it's 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 like okay, why are you doing that? You're not doing that to you know negate kind of the brand profile. You know, but you're you're trying to say, okay, dig deeper. Like the parents that buy a product for a three year old are very different than the parents that are buying for a twelve year old. And how? And I'm just using that as an example. You could you know use it for other categories depending on the types of buyers. But what we find is when we work, take that extra step to get closer to the consumer, what questions do you want to ask the consumers? How do you want to guide them? That's when that magic comes out, and they're like, oh. Okay, we're going to think about not a product catalog. We're going to think about our consumer, and then we're going to think about in interact integrating it with marketplace data because there's marketplace data to be had. There's enough of it to do some good, and you know, by bringing it together, you, you're creating an elevated experience. And then the consumer's like, "I know it's there. I don't have to be stuck in the the results of search of." you know, a hundred different companies selling me so many things I can't even figure it out. If you search like M&Ms on Amazon, okay, I don't want to pick M&Ms, but you're not sure like who's selling this product? Do I feel comfortable buying it from a third-party seller? Am I going to eat that bag of M&Ms? And, you know, when you get, you, you, you've got to get to that level of comfort, like be there when the consumer is shopping for you and they will they will engage. I think, I think this, this is, is oftentimes forgotten and gets lost so much, especially... Um, around shop talk here, right, where there's so many vendors and, and things going on, in the end, there is a consumer, right? And it's not just like data and it's not just 
catalogs and stuff like this. There's there's people looking at that stuff, right? Right. And right. Oh. Having that delivered to their home and 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 as you said, eating that that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, we remind ourselves daily. You know, it's all about the consumer. And if we ever get to that point where we're we're confused, you know, which way do we go in a decision? Whatever benefits the consumer is pretty much always the right decision, right? And you can look at data. The other part that Ping says often is, you know, business today is done through spreadsheet. It's just part of life, right? And so when we're looking at catalogs, when we're looking at assortments, when we're looking at channels, 1P, 3P, it's all initially in spreadsheet. And that's not the consumer view, not at all. And so we really work hard to uh, to give that that consumer view, that visual to our clients so they can make that decision and say, that doesn't look right, does it? And you're like, no, it doesn't. Data might say it's close to right or the spreadsheet's okay and you can green light it. It's not until you really see it. And going back to you know the physical world, walking the aisle and looking at that where everyone can see the same view and we say, "Is that does that end cap look right? And everyone can instantly say, no, that looks horrible, it's upside down, right? And, and you can't necessarily instantly do that on a spreadsheet. So as much as we can, we try to replicate that visually to aid our client because that is what the consumer will see. And, and if you get it right, things change dramatically. So. I, think, I think those are good closing words. Ping, you had another point. Well, I'm just saying, if you if you you've got a you know a social um, you know something's taking off in social, and then you drive them to the experience either on platform or back into a global marketplace. It better be the same product, right? And that is not easy to do. I, I feel I feel like we should that. do an episode on um, on 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 fuck ups and uh, and like give a couple of examples of how not to do it. Right? I think we could go on forever on that. <laughs> What's behind door number two? You click on it, and it's 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 not what you you thought it would be. It's not good for a consumer. So, Ping Berg, thanks for for being on the podcast, and uh, I think we should definitely repeat that and deep dive a little bit more in some of the topics. Oh, uh, thank you, Marcel. I mean. 